Well, who's excited about our new series, For Better or Worse? Let me hear from you guys. You excited about this? It's going to be a great series. I want to welcome everyone to Orchard today. Also, those may be joining us online. If you haven't already, take out your Bibles today. Turn to the Old Testament book of Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon, if you find your way to the book of Psalms, go to the right two books, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Then you'll get to Song of Solomon. It's eight chapters. We'll start in chapter 1, verse 1 in just a moment. Uh, this is where we'll be the next four weeks in this series. As you are doing that, when you came in today, you should have found one of these baptism connection cards on your chair. If you have recently accepted Christ here at Orchard or maybe in the past, but you've never gone public with your faith in believers' baptism, we want to give you an opportunity to do that. Our next baptism weekend is March 9th and 10th. Um, and we just want to praise God. We already have 60 people, over 60 people signed up for that baptism. It may be one of our largest ever. Can we celebrate that, Orchard? That is super, super exciting. And we want you to be a part of that to go public with your faith. And so you can sign up, just drop that in the offering bucket when it comes by today. Well, we are also super pumped and excited to start this new series called For Better or Worse. This is going to help strengthen our marriages so that we have healthy, God-honoring marriages if we're married. Um, if you're single, this is going to help you to better prepare uh, to be married. Or maybe you're single again and, and want to be married to prepare for that. And let's, let me kind of find out who's in the house today. Let me hear from all the happily married people. Let me hear from you nice and loud. All the happily married. All right. You should be cheering loud for that, all right? Um, do we have any singles in the house? Let me hear from our singles, nice and loud. Good group of singles, good. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna help you singles out as your pastor today. I'm gonna help you out. So don't be shy, don't be afraid to do this. If you're single, hoping to be married at some point, would you raise your hand nice and high and keep it up? Okay, raise your hand, singles. Don't be shy, raise them up, nice and high. Okay, singles, look around at the hands that are raised. Okay, maybe we'll help you make a holy connection here at church. Not a better place to meet your future spouse than at church. Um, if you want to take it a step for, further and you're really serious about this, singles, why don't you all just meet at the Got Questions corner out there in the lobby and, you know, exchange numbers, whatever you need. I'm trying to help you out. You can thank me, thank me later. Let me tell you uh, where we're going in this, this series. You don't want to miss a week of this. It's going to be practical for all of us. Next week, we're going to talk about perfect seasoning, that all of our relationships and marriages they go through different seasons of ups and downs and good times and bad times. We're going to talk about how to navigate those. The third week, you definitely do not want to miss week three of this series as we're going to watch as this couple in Song of Solomon is going to get married. They're going to consummate the marriage. They're going to be on their honeymoon. We're going to talk about God honoring sex. You do not want to miss week three. Make sure your kids are in OC Kids that week. Just warning you now or be prepared for lots of questions. And then the last week, we are going to talk about how to fight fair. Uh, there's always disagreements in relationships. How do we navigate those in a God-honoring way? How do we fight fair? Super practical. Today, we're going to kick this series off in chapter 1 of Song of Solomon, talking about faithful attraction. What, what are we attracted to uh, in someone else? What do we want to develop in our life? If you're married, uh, you want to build these qualities into your marriage for a healthy marriage. If you're single, uh, these are qualities that you want to look for and be attracted to if you want a God-honoring relationship and marriage. You know, singles have it pretty good today, if you think about it, especially those that are single. Um, you have more ways to be able to connect than ever before that we didn't have, you know, 20, 30 years ago before the internet. And so a lot of singles find uh, their future mate on the internet and online dating services. And I'm not going to make fun of that because I know a lot of Christian couples that met on eHarmony and somebody right down here is going, yes, yes. And, and they have great, healthy marriages. So I'm not going to make fun of that. But I do want to help the single people out because can we agree? You can't believe everything someone says about themselves on their profile in online dating. 
You can't believe everything that they say. And so I found some, some tips for you um, how to interpret how somebody might be attracting uh, themselves to you online. H how do you better interpret this? When someone of the opposite sex says something about themselves, um, what do you do with that if you're looking for someone online? So, for instance, guys, if she says she's 40-ish, it probably means she's 49 and a half. You just need to know that, okay? All right? Um, if he says he's 40-ish, it means that he's 52 and he's looking for a 25-year-old, ladies. Run. <laughs> Run, okay? If he says on his online profile that he's huggable, it might mean that he's carrying a few extra pounds and he has more hair on his body than Sasquatch. <laughs> just be prepared for that, okay? If she says that she's romantic, it may be because she looks better in candlelight. Oh, yeah, yeah, I... Listen, I'm sorry if I offended you. If I didn't offend you with that one, I'll get to you eventually. Don't worry. We're equal opportunity offenders here at Orchard Church. Um, if he, ladies, you need to know this. If he says on his online profile that he's laid back and close to his family, it probably means he still lives at home, he's unemployed, and he hopes you have a really good job. That's what he's looking for, right? And guys, you need to know this. If she puts on her online profile, she's an independent woman. It probably means she has control issues. She will dominate you, and you will like it. Okay? You need to know that. Just helping you out, okay? And then one more thing. Guys, if she says that she owns a cat, you know what to do, okay? I'm just going <laughs> to leave it at that, okay? If you've been here at Orchard any time, you, you, know, you know what to do with that one. All right? Well, hey, here's the good news. Um, uh, we're not going to get our, our advice from Internet and online. In this series, we're going to get our advice from God's Word. Amen? Uh, the number one value of Orchard Church is what does the Bible say? And the good news is this, that God is the author of the subject of love and sex and relationships. He wrote the book on it. He created it. He designed it. And nobody knows how this works better than God. And one one of the best books on this is the book of Song of Solomon if you want to see a godly, God-honoring relationship. And that's the book we're going to be in for the next several weeks. Uh, let me give you just a little bit of background about the book of Song of Solomon. It was written about 965 B.C., about a 1,000 years before the birth, birth of Christ. And most uh, Bible scholars believe that this is the historical account written by Solomon of his love story with his first wife, the one he honored God with, uh, before he lost his mind and took on 700 other wives. But the first one, he got it right, and this was the love of his life, and he honored God with, with, with this marriage. I'll tell you this. Now, how many of you... Uh, have ever read the book of Song of Solomon? Would you raise your hand? Okay. Maybe about 30% or so of you, 30%. If you haven't, I would encourage you to read all of this for this series. It's about eight chapters long. You can read it fairly quickly, but I will tell you this. Song of Solomon will make you blush. It will make you blush. It is extremely forward. Um, it is very uh, direct uh, in the things that are described. Uh, that's why we're encouraging you, if you have younger kids, maybe this isn't the best services to be in. But God has given us some great truths in this book about what God designed for marriage and for relationships. A lot of churches will not even touch the book of Song of Solomon. Uh, I grew up in a church, 20 years, the same church. Not one time did I ever hear a message from the book of Song of Solomon. But it's in the Bible, and we keep it real here at Orchard, so 
we're not afraid to talk about the things that are in this as we watch this relationship between King Solomon and his first wife, his godly wife, and we're gonna watch this relationship between a husband and a wife as they passionately pursue each other, they honor each other, and they cherish one another in the way that God has intended. And what we're gonna do today as we jump into chapter one of this love story is we're gonna look at four qualities um, that take place in this relationship. And these four qualities we wanna look for if we're single and we wanna develop if we're married. Four qualities to look for and develop in healthy God-honoring relationships. And I hope you'll take some notes uh, there in your newsletter. Here's the first quality that we see, and that is godly character. The most important um, quality that we want to look for if we're single or develop if we're married is godly character. Let's go ahead and jump into the story in Song of Solomon chapter one, verse one. And let me just remind you that when Solomon wrote this, um, it was after he had been married some time. So he's going back and he's recounting uh, the relationship when they were dating and they were courting. They don't actually get married until chapter four, but he talks about the things that led up to that here in chapter one, two, and three. And so when we read this, it, it goes back and forth in your Bibles. It'll say the woman, it'll say the man, the woman, the man, the man is King Solomon. And they're kind of having this conversation and we get to kind of peek behind the curtain of, of their growing relationship. And it says in chapter one, verse two, uh, she says to him, kiss me and kiss me again for your love is sweeter than wine. I mean, that's a good start right there. She says, how pleasing is your fragrance, your name. Everybody say your name. Your name is like the spreading fragrance of scented oils. No wonder all the young women love you. She says, man, I am attracted, first of all, to your name. Now, this isn't like the middle school girl that like writes the name Brad on her notebook and puts hearts all around it. There was something more to his name. He had a good name. His, his name, she said, your name is like scented oils that are very expensive and costly and value, valuable in this, this culture, you know, 3,000 years ago. You see, there's a difference between between our reputation and our character. Our reputation is what everybody else thinks about us. Our character is what God thinks about us and who we really are. And she says, man, the first thing I'm attracted to is you have a good name. You're known for your good name, your good, godly character. And she says, it's no wonder that all the young women, the single women, love you and want to be with you and want to marry you. I mean, if the Bachelor show was going 3,000 years ago, King Solomon would have been on The Bachelor. He would have made the show, okay? Not because he was a hottie with a body, Okay, maybe he was, I don't know. But it was because of his character. It all started with her being attracted to his good name, his godly character. And that's the first quality that God wants us to uh, be attracted to and to develop in our relationships and our marriages is godly character. Let me, let me say it this way, especially to the single people that, that are here. If you want to marry someone with godly character, if you want a godly marriage and godly kids and a godly family someday, then you have to be someone of godly character. You have to be what you're looking for because like attracts like. So if you want to find someone of godly character, and if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that's what you should look for more than anything else, then you should say, I want to be someone of godly character because I'm looking for someone of godly character. If you're with me, say yes. Sometimes if I'm being honest and keeping it very real and and, and raw, and we will in this this series, sometimes I hear uh, especially single girls say something like this, man, I just always seem to attract the wrong guy. I always seem to attract the wrong kind of guy, and he always lets me down. He, he cheats on me. I, he only wants one thing. Well, if that's what you're always attracting, can I be so bold to ask this question? What bait are you using to get him? What's the bait you're using? 
If you want someone of godly character, then you have to attract someone with godly character. If you don't like the fish you're catching, change the bait. You know, if you're single and you're like, man, I really want to find a great guy, a godly guy that loves God and we can serve God together and have a godly family, then, you know, you're probably not going to find them at the single bars getting your twerk on. (laughs) Just saying. And for those of you that don't know what the twerk is, I thought about doing one, but I, I, I cut that out of the message. No, I cut it out. I'm saving that for my wife, Shelly, tonight. Okay? I'm saving that, right? Okay? <laughs> I said that last night. She was in the first service. She goes, I don't really need to see that. I'm like, I'm like dang it. But seriously, I mean, wh- what are you looking for? If you're looking for someone with godly character then you have to be someone that develops and possesses godly character. I would say it this way, that marriage is not so much about finding the right person as it is becoming the right person, becoming the person that you want to find. Get it this way in your notes to help you remember this, especially for those of you that are single and you want someone with godly character. Become the person the person you are looking for is looking for. Become the person the person you are looking for is looking for. If you're looking for and desiring someone with godly character, then be someone of godly character. That's the first quality we see in this relationship. Here's the second one if you're taking notes. Not only should we possess and look for godly character, but we should look for uh, growing trust and look to develop growing trust. Um, I think we all know that if, if we don't have trust in our relationships, then we don't have a healthy relationship. You have to have trust. And we're going to watch as this couple has this growing trust that starts to happen early on in their relationship. Let's pick it up in verse 5. And she says to him, I am dark but beautiful, O women of Jerusalem, dark as the tents of Kadar, dark as the curtains of Solomon's tents. What she's doing is she is early on in the relationship opening herself up and being very vulnerable about an insecurity. She, she feels like she's a little bit too dark. And, and it's not because she was born this way. It developed over time. Watch this. In verse 6, she says to him, don't stare at me because I am what? I am dark. How did she get this way? The sun has darkened my skin. My brothers were angry with me. They forced me to care for their vineyards, to work out in the field. I got sunburnt. Um, I got super tan. And so I couldn't care for myself, my own vineyard. And throughout this story, she's going to refer to her body as her vineyard. But she feels some insecurity because she says, I'm a little bit too dark. Because back in this culture, um, if you were light and fair of skin, it meant, meant that you were highborn. You were more noble. Uh, you probably had a little, little bit of wealth because you didn't have to work out in the fields like servants and things like that. So she was uh, being vulnerable about this. She was insecure about this. And she says, don't stare at me because I, I know that I'm, I'm a little darker than I, I wish that I was. Isn't it funny? Today, everybody's going to the tanning booth and we're trying to get darker to be more attractive. But it was the opposite of that 3,000 years ago. But she's revealing these insecurities. This is the point I don't want you to miss. She's being very vulnerable early on in her relationship and she's revealing these insecurities and we're going to watch as he is going to love them away. He's going to love them away. He's going to build her up and there's going to be this growing trust that takes place in the relationship. You see, sharing our insecurities with our mate or our future potential mate is a, a, a way to, is a test of trust. Sharing our insecurities and being vulnerable is a test of trust in our relationships. And many times, like it did with this woman, it starts with the physical. Maybe we feel like, well, I'm not as attractive as other people. I'm, I'm a little too heavy. I'm a little too skinny. I've got bird legs. I've got big ears, big nose. I'm too tall. I'm too short. I get it. You know, and, and we share these. And, and as we share these insecurities, we find out if we can trust this other person. I'm going to 
be very vulnerable right now and share something that may be shocking to some of you, but I've always been a little bit vertically challenged. Okay. Now, I, sometimes I say that, and we have guests in our services, and I'm up here on this big stage, and they don't get it, and then they meet me afterward in the lobby, and they stand next to me, and they're like, oh, wow, you are really short. Thanks, I appreciate that. Yeah, God bless you too. Have a great day. And uh, I've always been a little vertically challenged, and I, I'm about 5'5", uh, five, five if I round up with shoes, okay? And uh, Shelly is about 5'6", uh, with shoes, and with regular shoes on. And when I was dating girls early on in high school and college, I had a maximum height requirement. If you, you could not be more than one inch taller than me or I wouldn't, I wouldn't date you, okay? Well, Shelly barely made the cut. She's like one inch taller than me. And so when we first started dating, okay, you know, I kind of sized her up. I'm like, okay, she's just one inch. I can live with this. And so we started dating. And I remember one of our first dates that we went on. I go to her house to pick her up and we're going to a nice dinner. She answers the door. She's got high heels on, like three, four inch high heels. I'm like, hey, what the heck are you doing? We had this conversation. You're now over the maximum height requirement. She's like, oh, Dougie, she said, that doesn't, that doesn't bother me. That doesn't mean anything to me. She says, you're six foot tall to me. Really? I love her. She's like, you, you, you're six foot tall to me. You are my hottie with a body. I don't know if she said that or not, but I remember it that way in my mind. I, I, that's what I remember. But I remember early on going, man, I love this girl. I can be myself. I can be vulnerable. I can share my insecurities. And there was this growing trust that, that took place very quickly in our relationship. And she was very vulnerable with me and shared some insecurities with me. And we, we loved those away in our relationship for, for each other. Here's a question you need to ask yourself. Um, in your future mate, maybe the person you're dating, can, can I trust this person? Can I trust them? Can I be honest with them? Can I be real with them? When I have insecurities, do they build me up or do they tear me down? In your marriage, do you build your spouse up or do you tear them down? Do they feel safe and secure around you? This is a very important quality to a God-honoring relationship. What do we want to look for if we're single? What do we want to develop if we're married? Godly character, growing trust. And here's the third thing if you're taking notes. We need to have this quality of higher standards. We need to look for and develop the quality of higher standards if we're a follower of Jesus Christ. Look at uh, verse seven, let's pick it up there. And she says to him, tell me my love, where are you leading your flock today? Where will you rest your sheep at noon? In other words, wherever you're at, that's where I wanna be. I wanna hang out with you. For why should I wander like a prostitute among your friends and other flocks? I'm, what is she saying? I'm not like all the other girls. I'm not like all the other women. I have higher standards. I'm not going to give myself physically to someone until they are my husband. I'm not going to prostitute myself. I'm not going to do that. And then he responds to her and he says to her, if you don't know, oh, most, what church? Beautiful woman, follow the trail of my flock and graze your young goats by the shepherd's tents. You'll, you'll know where to find me. And what he does here is he acknowledges his, his uh, feelings toward her, he acknowledges her beauty 
And, and this word beauty here uh, can mean not only outward beauty, that physical attraction, that is part of it, but it also means inside. He says, man, you're, you're beautiful to me inside and out. She's just shared some of her insecurities about her outward appearance. And he comes and he says, listen, you're a beautiful woman to me inside and out because you have higher standards. Uh, you can cross-reference this to Proverbs chapter 31, the virtuous godly woman. He uses some of that same language there. But the key is this. She says, I've got higher standards. I'm not like all the other girls. I'm not sure what you're looking for, but you just need to know, I'm not going to give myself to someone that is not my husband. Because the marriage doesn't happen in the honeymoon, and it doesn't get consummated until chapter 4. And that's week 3. Don't miss that week. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. You're going to hear some things you never thought you'd hear in church. But it's from God's word. But here's the thing. As we talk about what God intended for the sexual relationship to take place inside of the bonds of the covenant of marriage between a husband and wife, I, I know what happens. That seems really archaic today. That seems really outdated today. But because our number one value here at Orchard Church is what does the Bible say, we're not going to tell you how to do things like society and culture and the rest of the world. As Christ followers, we're going to follow what God's word says. And we're going to teach what God's word says. Um, because that, we, we've been called to a higher, higher standard. And God's word is crystal clear on this subject. That God created in the beginning man and he created woman. They became husband and wife. And God's wedding gift to them, and I believe to this day, to the married couple, inside the covenant relationship of marriage is sex. It's, it's the gift he gives them on their wedding light, night and for the rest of their marriage. And anything outside of what God designed, where God designed sexual relationship to take place between a husband and wife, anything outside of that, the Bible calls sin. And, and that, that can be sex before marriage. It can be sex with someone else that's not your spouse. All kinds of things that that falls in, into. You see, there's two options for Christian dating couples, Christians that are dating and, and they're a couple. There's two, two options. Now, now, let me say this. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, we are thrilled that you're here. We will meet you right where you're at on your journey and help you grow um, and to introduce you to Jesus if, if you're open to that. Um, we say it all the time that you belong here even before you believe here. Amen, church? But, but, but I'm talking right now to the Christians, okay? So you, if you're not a believer, then, you know, you're kind of off the hook. But if you name the name of Christ and you say, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, we have been called to higher standards, We've been called to follow and obey God's word. That's what we're accountable to. And God has clearly said that the sexual relationship is only to take place inside the covenant of marriage between a husband and wife. So there are only two options for Christian couples that are dating. They can either choose option number one, which is we're going to do it God's way and we're going to honor God together, or we're going to do it our way and what everybody else is doing and we're going to sin together. Can I be that bold? There's, really, there's only two options. We're either going to honor, choose to honor God together and build our relationship on honoring God together or we're going to sin together. And if we choose to do things our way and the world's way and what everyone else is doing, then we're probably going to get what everybody else is getting. And most marriages today are struggling and most marriages are failing. And I say it all the time, if we want what other people have, then just do what everybody else does. But if we want something different, if we want something special, if we want something God-honoring, then we need to make a choice to do it God's way. But when we choose to do it the world's way, then, you know, even think about, even if you're not a believer, think of this practically. If we give ourselves to the opposite sex before we get married, and then we get married to that person, you know, the honeymoon is really nothing special other than a vacation. I mean, it's just kind of 
Another day at the office, business as usual. It's kind of like opening your gifts before Christmas that God intended to, to wait until the, the night of marriage. I, I, I'm grateful to be able to tell you that Shelly and I, we've been married 26 years, and when I met Shelly, uh, she was a virgin when we got married. When we met and when she got, we got married, she was a virgin. And I'm grateful to tell you that when we met, we said, you know what? We want to make sure that we honor God together. We want our relationship and marriage to be built on this. And we're going to wait until we get married. I wish I could tell you that that was true of me um, and my previous relationships. It wasn't. Um, in college, I made some really bad decisions and I was promiscuous and I had failed in that area and I had to ask God to forgive me. And then when I met Shelly, I had to ask her to forgive me and she said, if God forgives you, I forgive you. But I couldn't change the past, but I could say from this day forward, I'm gonna do it right. And I'm so grateful we made that decision to say we're gonna wait till we get married and we did, which is one reason why we had a very short engagement. Okay, just being, being honest, being honest. I hadn't always done it right before, but with her, I got it right. And you know, it's interesting. All my other relationships failed. We've been married now 26 years. And I don't think that's an accident. I don't think it's a coincidence. We said, we're gonna do it God's way. And, and I've met many couples that have made the decision to do it God's way. And they've, I've never heard a couple that said, we waited and did it God's way and, and looked back and wished we wouldn't have. But boy, I've talked to many that said, oh, I wish we would have waited. If I would have known then what I know now, I would have done it differently. You know, what, what's the relationship built on? And, and, and man, I remember um, our wedding day. We got married in, in the afternoon and uh, we had an afternoon wedding and then we went to the reception and I remember thinking, can we just get out of here? I mean, they can eat cake without us. Let's go. Because, you know, we waited and did it right. And uh, we, I had rented a cabin on the lake. It was about an hour away. That was the longest hour drive of my entire life. And then, man, we finally get there and, and we get to the door of the cabin. I open the door. I pick Shelly up. I, I carry her across the threshold, you know, trying to be all romantic. I set her down. I close the door behind and it's just her and I alone at last. And she looks at me and I look at her. And I'm not gonna tell you everything that happened, okay? But she looks at me and I look at her and she says to me, we haven't eaten dinner. Are you hungry? <laughs> and I go, no, not really. I, I'm good. I think we can wait a little bit. She's like, no, I think we should go grab some dinner. And so I'm like, okay. And so we jump back in the car. We, we go to dinner. And I'm like, can we get this to go? Do you have a to-go box or something? You know, the waiter comes at the end of the meal. Do you guys want to see the dessert menu? No, just bring the check now, please. In the name of God, bring the check. And so... We finally get back to the, the cabin and we, we light some candles. And this is a true story. Some of you have heard me tell this story before. When we left our reception, my brother-in-law, who has a sense of humor, handed me a cassette tape and a boom box. Now, for those young people that don't know what that is, ask your parents later, okay? And he said, I made you um, a tape of some, a mixtape of some 80s love songs for your enjoyment tonight. And he gives this to me. I'm like, oh my gosh. And so we get there and, and Shelly and I are laughing about it the whole way. And we're like, should we play this tape or not? And we were so curious. We thought, well, we're going to have to play the tape. And so candles are lit. You know, the mood is set. We play the tape. And the, it was like 80s love songs. The first one I think was like Foreigner. I want to know what love is. Something like that. You know, it's like, oh yeah, this is, this is great. And then true story. In between that song and the next song. My brother-in-law's voice comes on the tape. 
He goes, how you guys doing? I hope you're enjoying this romantic music for your evening pleasure. I couldn't get to that boombox fast enough to turn that tape. I mean, totally ruined the mood. I've shared this story with my kids when they got a little bit older and they laugh about it as well. My daughter said, dad, do you still have that tape? I'm like, no, we destroyed it. It's like, that's the last thing we want to remember. And that's as far as I'm gonna tell you about that night, okay? But you know what? We were so glad we waited and we did it God's way. We've never regretted that. But, but I know how this works. This is where it gets awkward. This is where it gets a little awkward because some of you all are like, well, we blew that one. Well, we're blowing that one. And listen, the last thing in the world we ever wanna do here at Orchard Church is pour guilt and shame on you. That's what our enemy does. We wanna offer you what God offers us and that's grace and mercy and forgiveness. And you know what? If you did it wrong, if you've been doing it wrong, you haven't been doing it God's way, you can still do something about it. God still forgives, amen? The Bible says if we confess our sins, I had to do it in my life, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness. I know, yeah, we can praise God for that, amen? We don't have to walk in guilt, we don't have to walk in shame. And I know married couples that have been married 5, 10, 15 years, that, that when they realized that, okay, we didn't do it God's way, that together as a couple, they prayed and said, God, just forgive us. And they, they had that removed, and they walk in the freedom of that. I know uh, couples that here at Orchard Church, we've taught on these things in the past. They haven't been doing it God's way. They've been doing it what everybody else is doing. And then God convicts them about this, and they say, okay, we can't change yesterday. We can't change last night, but we can change from this day forward. Let's get married. Let's make this right. And from now until the marriage, we're going to wait. I had the privilege of doing a wedding a couple of years ago. There was a couple in our church. Uh, they'd been living together and doing it the world's way. They heard this teaching about what God desired and their wedding was a year away and for one year they made the commitment and they abstained from sexual relationship until the night of their wedding. And man, it was a beautiful wedding and occasion. I mean, yeah, we could celebrate that. I mean, that is awesome. And, and I know that they have never regretted uh, that decision. And so maybe, you know, God would, would lead you to do that. Uh, here today at Orchard Church. I had a, uh, boy, I had a first happen. After last service, a couple uh, came out and, and they were talking to me and he asked her to marry him in front of me out here in the lobby uh, last service, put the ring on her finger and, and she said yes. And he goes, and I'm, I'm making a commitment with her and you before God, we're going to do it right from this day forward till we get married. I thought that was incredible. I mean, that just happened like an hour ago. Incredible. Listen, if we want what everybody else has, which is heartache and failure, then just do what everybody else does. But if we want something different, we want something special, let's do it God's way. Let's look for and let's develop godly character, growing trust, higher standards. And here's the fourth thing that we see in this relationship. We see them develop the quality of consistent encouragement. You want a healthy relationship that honors God? Make sure that it is built on consistent encouragement. Watch as they encourage each other. We'll pick it up in verse 9. And he says to her, you are as exciting, my darling, as a mare among Pharaoh's stallions. A, a mare was a female horse. He calls her a female horse. Now that needs some explanation. But this wasn't just any female horse. This was a pure white horse that would pull Pharaoh's chariot. Now remember, what was she insecure about? Her skin being too dark. But he says, listen, baby, to me, you're like the purest white horse, the most esteemed, the most prized horse that gets to pull Pharaoh's chariot. Um, you are beyond value to me. You are gorgeous to me. I mean, today he might would say, you're like a white Lamborghini. 
or a Mercedes, you know, probably wouldn't call her a white horse. But, but listen, let me ask you this question about consistent encouragement. The person that you're dating, if you're single, are they making you feel better about yourself or worse? Do they build you up or tear you down? In your marriage, do you make your spouse feel better or worse? Do you encourage them? Man, I'm so grateful for my wife, Shelly, of 26 years. She has always been so encouraging in, uh, uh, to me and believing in me. And I remember 14 years ago when God called us to move to Colorado, to Denver, Colorado, to Plant Orchard Church and start this church out of our apartment living room. We didn't know anybody. We had no family here, no friends here. We'd never lived here. But God was calling us to take a huge step of faith. And I was nervous and I was scared. And, and we had two young kids, seven and nine years old at the time. And how are we going to make ends meet? And where's this church going to meet? And where are these people going to come from? And I remember the most encouraging person in my life was my wife, Shelly. And she said, listen, we've been praying about this. God has been preparing us our whole life for this. I believe in God. And she said, and I believe in you. We can do this. And I can honestly tell you, Orchard Church may have never gotten started if it wouldn't been for the encouragement of my wife, Shelly. And we took that step of faith. And we praise God for all that he has done. Encouragement. Watch as this encouragement continues and it goes back and forth between uh, this man and this woman. Verse 10, he says to her, how lovely are your cheeks. Okay, he's talking about the ones on her face. Okay, we're still now... As we progress through the story, it's going to move down. But right now, we're, we're up here, okay? How lovely are your cheeks. Your earrings set them afire. How lovely is your neck enhanced by a string of jewels. We will make for you earrings of gold and beads of silver. He's like, baby, I'm going to get you some bling. I'm going to hook you up. And then she starts encouraging him back. And she says, the king, and she's, and she's imagining her future when he is her husband. And she says, the king is lying on his couch, enchanted by the fragrance of my perfume. Ooh. My lover is like a sachet of myrrh lying between my breasts. And may God bless the reading of his word. <laughs> this is in the Bible, y'all. Oh, and you haven't seen nothing yet. Man, that deserves an amen right there. He is like, <laughs> listen, I'm going to have fun with this series whether you guys do or not. He is like, she says, man, my guy, my man, he is like a bouquet of sweet henna blossoms from the vineyards of Engedi. And then he says to her, how beautiful you are, my darling. How beautiful. Your eyes are like doves. Your eyes are like doves. And you see this encouragement going back and forth between the man and the woman. But, but, but notice, it, they're now talking about the physical features. But it didn't start there. Physical is important in a relationship. Absolutely it is. But that's not where we started in this God-honoring marriage. We started with godly character. And then there was a growing trust. And there was higher standards. And now the physical is last, last is they're constantly in, encouraging one another. Let me help some of you guys out for just a moment. If I can help some of you guys out. Uh, maybe you're a guy, you're here and you're like, man, I feel like I fell from the ugly tree. But let me help you out. If you treat her well and you build her up and you give her constant words of encouragement, you will get better looking to her day after day after day. Am I right, ladies? You'll get better and better looking. You're welcome, okay? Helping you guys out. I mean, we've all seen this play out. How many of you guys have ever seen sort of an average looking guy with this gorgeous, beautiful woman? And you're like, how in the world did that guy get that girl? Well, maybe he knows how to use his secret weapon. Words of encouragement. I don't know what some of you guys were thinking right there. I think we had some dirty minds happening there, okay? 
He knows how, the secret weapon is words of encouragement, man. And this guy is building her up. And watch the result of this. Watch how this makes her feel as he is constantly encouraging her. You have this in your notes. She feels special. She feels so special because of these words of encouragement. In, in verse 16, uh, she says to him, here's how she responds to all this encouragement. You are so handsome, my love. He's getting better looking every day. Pleasing beyond words. The soft grass is our bed. Fragrant cedar branches are the beams of our house. And pleasant smelling furs of the rafters. Again, she's picturing her, her future life and marriage with him. We go roll right into chapter 2, verse 1. She says, I am the spring crocus blooming on the Sharon plain, the lily of the valley. Everybody say the lily of the valley. No, she doesn't say a lily of the valley, the lily of the valley. And he says, yes, that's right, baby. You're like a, a lily among thistles is my darling among young women. Nobody compares to you. She refers to herself now in the singular as the lily of the valley. What is she, not just a lily, but the lily. What is she saying? I feel like the most special woman on the earth. Who made her feel that way? Solomon did. Isn't it interesting? This love story opens in chapter 1 and she's insecure. You get to chapter two, and all of a sudden, she is feeling very special. Why? Because he adores her, he cherishes her, he values her, he makes her feel special. Not only does she feel special, but if you're taking notes, she feels secure. And that's what every woman wants, to feel special, to feel secure, taken care of. And look at verse three. She says this about him. Like the finest apple tree in the orchard is my lover among other young men. Nobody compares to him. Now watch this. She says, I sit in his delightful shade and taste his delicious fruit. <laughs> I love when Shelly talks like this. <laughs> now, that last line there can be interpreted a lot of different ways. And I'm not gonna attempt that in God's house today. But if you would like to talk about that amongst, you know, your, your spouse, you could talk about that later, um, about the fruit part. But I am going to address where she says, I sit in his delightful shade. Isn't that interesting how she describes it? I, I sit in his delightful shade. What is she saying? He protects me. What does he protect me from? The sun. Remember, she was vulnerable and insecure about her skin. But she says, man, when I'm around you, I feel special. I feel secure. I feel safe. You're like a shade to me. She's using these descriptive words. And then her response to this kind of security goes on. Verse 4, she says, he escorts me to the banquet hall. It's obvious how much he loves me. Let me ask you this question. Is it obvious how much you love your mate or your future mate? Is it obvious? Not just because you say it, but because you show it. You say it in your words and your actions. You live it out. She says, it's obvious how much he loves me. Strengthen me with raisin cakes. Refresh me with apples, for I am weak with love. She's lovesick. You ever been around somebody lovesick? She is lovesick at this point. And then she paints this beautiful picture. His left arm is under my head and his right arm embraces me. And don't miss verse 7. Promise me, O women of Jerusalem, by the gazelles and wild deer, not to awaken love, let's say it together, church, until the time is right. All of this is what she's envisioning inside the covenant relationship of marriage. And she's asking the other young women, keep me accountable because I want to have godly character and higher standards. All of this is going to happen. This is what I envision, and it does happen. But I want to make sure the time is right. I do it God's way. And we end today with this incredibly beautiful scene 
of a husband and a wife and he has her in his arms and his left hand is under her head and his right arm is embracing her and it's beautiful. But how did we get here? It wasn't by accident, it wasn't by coincidence. There was a progression. It started with godly character and then growing trust and then higher standards and then consistent encouragement. She feels special, she feels secure. That's how we got to this beautiful scene. And at this point, she is ready to give all of herself to him because he has given all of himself to her. I'll say it again. If we want what everyone else has, just do what everybody else does. But if we want something different, if we want something special, let's not let the world and society and culture tell us how this works. Let's let the author on the subject of love and marriage tell us how this works. And let's, let's choose to develop a faithful, God-honoring attraction for God's honor and glory and for our good. Heavenly Father, we just wanna come to you and, and thank you for putting this love story and example in the Bible for us. May we apply it to our lives and live it out in an amazing way. May this be a turning point for some relationships and marriages to do it your way instead of the world's way. So we continue in attitude of prayer right now with heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the, the most important thing to remember today was the number one quality we talked about, and that is godly character. Be the person, the person you're looking for is looking for. If you're single and you want someone with godly character, then you develop godly character. If you're married and you want a godly marriage and family and godly kids, then you have to have godly character. That's where it all starts. And I don't know about you guys, but I know in my life, that's an area I could, can always improve in. I can always develop more. How many of you as believers in Jesus Christ would say, I want to make sure that I have the quality of godly character in my life. And I know it's something I could develop a little bit better. Can I pray for you? Would you slip up your hands all across the auditorium? I want to have, I want to seek godly character. Amen. God bless you. Hands everywhere. Amen. Let me pray for us. Father, I pray that we would seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. And then knowing that all the other things will be added unto us and fall into place in our lives, our relationships, our marriages, and our families. May we possess godly character. May we have higher standards. May we make the adjustments that are necessary to experience the beauty of relationships the way you intended, without any regrets. So we continue in attitude of prayer. If you're here today and you've never invited Jesus into your life as Lord and Savior, let me tell you this, what the Bible says is godly character is impossible without knowing God personally. You can't have godly character without God in your life. And the way that God gets into our life is when we invite his son into our life and his name is Jesus. You see, the book of Song of Solomon is not only a historical account of the love story between Solomon and his first wife, but it's an allegory. It's a picture of God's love for all of us. And the Bible says, for God so loved the world, loved us, that he gave his one and only son, his name is Jesus, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And, and God, nobody will ever love you more than God loves you right now. And he offers you the gift of salvation. God gave all of himself so that we can have a relationship with him. And that's the place to start. If you've never invited Jesus into your life as your Lord and Savior, Jesus is the one that went to the cross and died for our sins, paid for our sins so that we could have eternal life, our sins forgiven, a relationship with God restored. I wanna give you an opportunity to do that, to invite God into your life through his son Jesus in just a moment. 
The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. One of the ways we call on the Lord is through prayer. I'm going to pray a prayer, a simple prayer out loud. It's not a magic prayer, magic words, but if you'll be willing to pray this prayer from your heart to God's this prayer of faith, you can invite him into your life today and a new relationship with him can begin. If that's you, you know who you are. Would you pray this prayer from your seat? It goes like this. Jesus, I'm saying yes to you today. Yes, be my Lord. Yes, be my Savior. I want to know you and follow you. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Thank you. Thank you. 